As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host and or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of the host and or Paranormal Buzz Radio and or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is prohibited. Paranormal Buzz Radio will not be held responsible for you holding your knees, crying and rocking in a corner in a puddle of your own urine, or being beheaded by a group of children in a cornfield. In fact, if you come across a group of children in a cornfield, we promise to make fun of you as you run away screaming in terror. Listener discretion is advised. Paranormal 5 is bringing you Parapeeps New England to help showcase some of the best in the paranormal and unexplained in the area. Their goal? To show the strength of paranormal unity by giving everyone in the field a voice. Join them as they discuss everything from haunted locations, aliens, metaphysical, cryptids, and much, much more. So sit back, enjoy the show, and as always, thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode four, season two of Parapeeps New England. My name is Rich. And I'm Missy. And we are of Paranormal 5, a Maine-based paranormal family. Uh, as always, coming back, rejoining us. Thank you. We appreciate it. We appreciate everyone that took some time to pop over and listen to our little lady, Dylan, talk about everything that she loves about the paranormal in this field. Yes. And I also have to say thank you to everybody that came and gave us so much feed, positive feedback yeah. about that episode. Um, it just kind of, you know, made us feel like we we're definitely doing something right, parenting and also helping raise paranormal, yeah. the paranormal future as well. Too. Although so I, I will thank say you so that, much, guys. Um, shame on all of you for inflating our daughter's head bigger than it already is. So. <laughs> 
she was definitely the coolest kid around listening to all that getting all the feedback so oh yes, yes thank you for that and so yeah some cool creepy music to start out the um the episode tonight because it kind of goes along with tonight's theme uh and tonight's theme is going to be myself and missy talking to you guys a little bit about another place that we hold near and dear which is salem massachusetts which is like number one spot to visit during the month of October. Unless you live in Salem, Massachusetts, and I've heard firsthand it's the last place you want to be in the month of October. Yes. But we do not live there, so we will enjoy going there any time of the year, but especially this time of year because uh, obviously it's the influence down there from the season, from the fall, from Halloween. Uh, it just turns what's already a very unique town uh, into just an absolute bustling with life and and just everything Halloween and this time of year. And it, it's awesome. We've had the privilege of going down many times, uh, both this time of year and other times of year, and it never disappoints. Um, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to dive a little bit into the history. We're going to talk about some of the names, most of which you guys have probably heard, some of which you may not have. Uh, we're going to talk about some locations down in Salem that uh, we feel you guys should definitely check out. Um, if you I, haven't already. If you haven't already, of course. Um, there are uh, you know, some places that we like to go. Uh, you know, Again, this is a place we've taken our kids to on multiple occasions. They love it down there. Probably for the awesome pizza place that we go to, which we'll get to later as well. Got a name drop there. But um, yeah, we're going to kick it off with uh, Missy doing what she does best, which is tons of research and dropping some knowledge on you folks about uh, what kind of kicked off Salem into becoming what it is today. Which city? Which city? Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm sure a lot of you guys probably learned this back in school, or at least I hope you did. But anyways, I'll help along the way if you guys don't remember. So January 1692, are you going to do a, oh, I thought you were going to drop oh, a little oh, funny yeah, thing. <laughs> so, but anyways, January 1692, the daughter and niece of Reverend Samuel Paris um, became ill unexpectedly. They called in the town doctor, William Griggs. 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 Thank you. Griggs. Griggs. William Griggs. William Griggs, and because of their health not improving, he claimed that they were bewitched. <laughs> That's so spooky. <laughs> oh, we're going to let this one marinate for a minute. You're going to let it sit? You're going to let it sit out there? So, yeah, he claimed that they were bewitched. And kind of just to give, like, a little bit of, like, even more of a backstory of what was really going on in, like, the area Salem and the surrounding towns um, or even just kind of here in New England you know mm. there was a lot of dramatic and big things happening between in Native American raids um, illnesses like smallpox like there was huge pandemics happening through all the colonies all around it, they were just pandemics what are those I have no idea what a pandemic is um <laughs> It was also an extremely rough winter that year, um, which, you know, think about living conditions back then. It's, sure. it's crazy. On top of- We complain nowadays about winters. I know, right? They ain't got nothing on us. Or 
we ain't got nothing on them. Yes. There we go. And then also just that area be or just here in New England being very deeply rooted in Puritan mm-hmm. religion or being deeply rooted in the um Puritan um beliefs and deeply religious. So obviously with all of that kind of going on that they started um accusing men, women and children um in March of 1692 the court was established and it was called Oyer and Termi- Terminer Terminer see Richie's Richie's got my back folks <laughs> Oyer and Terminer <laughs> Oyer and Terminer um the Salem jail became extremely overpopulated there was 150 men women and children in this jail um the young one of the youngest children that were accused was Dorothy Good and she is the daughter of Sarah Good who yeah. was executed or was trial tried and executed yeah. for witchcraft tried use that tried. word <laughs> by today's standards yes they were tried but <laughs> yeah they pretty much didn't stand a chance when if you were accused and um, just another little quick fact kind of going back about talking about like being in prison and being in jail at that time is that your family was responsible for paying your way to be in jail. So like when you think about prisons now, that's taxpayers dollars. Yeah. But back then it was your family that was responsible for you to pay for you to be in their facility, sure. which is kind of just mind blowing. Um so it just wasn't obviously Salem um that um these people were being accused and there the was towns, there was surrounding right. towns and areas so there was obviously Salem it's itch switch Gloucester Andover Methuen and actually Wells Maine and okay. so we have to think about that Maine wasn't a state of its own it was ma- technically Massachusetts until I think it was 1820 is when we became our own state. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's 1820. We just celebrated, I think we just celebrated our 200 year like anniversary last summer of becoming an actual main state. Away from Massachusetts. I know, right? So the first person to be tried and hung was Bridget Bishop on June 10th. 1692 and she will be the only person that would ever be hung during the Salem witch trials to be hung by herself mm-hmm. um and no one else was hung I wonder if that was like a timing of everything but also you know potentially like a sign or, or like was an example um but you know it is strange that she is the only one that's hung solo um and we had, there's another event that took place solo obviously but um, as far as the hangings go um I honestly think the thing with Bridget was just because she was kind of just looked at as an outcast from the very beginning. Right. She was on her third marriage. She had her two previous husbands had died and there was speculation even during her trial with them claiming that she had killed her husband right. Right. because so by- she was a witch and she had lost children. I think she had lost one or two children as well. Um, and she and her husband, her third husband had actually been fined and I think maybe even placed in jail for like just a quick temporary or some type of shaming, 
um, because they were fighting out in public. And that was very big no-no, like against Puritan ways right. and everything like that. And also, I've I've also heard legends and stories that she would wear like different colors, sure. like outside of the Puritan norm is that she was more of like the risque, like she was definitely an outcast from the very beginning. So I feel like once she, cause she wasn't even the first one accused as a witch. Right. She was the first one that was tried and hung. I think that they was just like their easiest way to kind of wash their hands. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, if you, if you imagine this, the societal standards at that point in time, and, and again, you know, here's a woman who, you know, like you said, uh, there, there was, you know, um, multiple different husbands, multiple different partners, just being kind of that social outcast. So even take away the the idea of witchcraft, you know, uh, it was almost a safe bet for them to start with her because, you know, from that point of view back then, you were getting rid of somebody that didn't belong in your society anyway because she didn't fit the 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 form of, you know, what was normal then. Um, she was outside that normal. So didn't have that going for her on top of, you know, on top of she had land she had right. a big piece of property right in salem prime beautiful real estate right. apple orchard apple orchards, and right. everything so it there was a lot of controversy kind of going back into like talking about like i mentioned earlier about like what else was kind of going on in salem at the time before mm. the accusing started was that there was a lot of rivalry yeah. going on between families in salem and sure. the surrounding towns so kind of another interesting kind of thing about um, once people started getting accused was the slave of Reverend um, Samuel Paris, Tijiba. She was accused, but she actually confessed that she had worked with the devil. And this actually saved her from doing this. They kind of pushed her aside, kept her in jail. But she claimed that, like I said, she had been working with the devil and she claimed that she saw other people's names in the community in the devil's book, which kind of just fed more fuel to the sure, fire. Sure. You know, what it definitely escalated after that. So, um, obviously, as we know, that there were 19 people that were accused as witchcraft. Yep. And that there was actually 20 that had died. Um, Giles Corey yep. um, being that. But one thing I also would like to make mention is that there was probably deaths within just the jail while people were waiting a trial. Oh, sure. And waiting for possible execution. Well, probably not waiting for execution, but definitely waiting for a trial just because. Well, again, of in the overpopulation, the, the dealing of the conditions, the pandemics at the time. Uh, absolutely. there were, There was we'll call it undocumented deaths that would have taken place. Yeah. So we as a result of the hysteria. Exactly. Exactly. So um Minister Cotton Mathers spoke out about the how spectral evidence and spectral evidence is pretty much evidence that's being brought to the table that is like visions, dreams, um, and how he thought that this shouldn't be held up in court. Um, and he actually reached out and got help from his father, who is the president of Harvard College at the time, mm -hmm. to get in contact with Governor Phillips um, to stop using um, spectral evidence in court. And in October of 1692, they put an end to that. 
And once that kind of slowed down, the hysteria obviously settled down a little bit. And in, finally, in May of 1693, the governor pardoned and released everybody that was still in jail on charges for witchcraft. And one quote that I thought was kind of interesting um, that the Mathers said is that it would be better than 10 suspected witches may escape than one innocent person be condemned. So it wow. just kind of, I don't know, I, I, I kind of like got a little touched when I heard that and kind of made me just a little sad because, you know, it, it's already been done. Like right. yeah, the lives yeah, have too, already been. Too, it, too late. Yeah. So we thought that we would kind of just go through and share the names and the dates of the people that were executed just to kind of, you know, there's a lot of names on here that I feel like you always hear, you hear their stories, you know, their names, but it's kind of nice to, you know, think about the other people that, that aren't so popular, which are just as important. So definitely Richie's going to go first. So on July 19th, 1692, uh, you had Sarah Good. You had Rebecca Nurse, you had Susanna Martin, you had Elizabeth House. How? How, excuse me. Elizabeth Howe, and you had Sarah Wilds. All right. And then on August, oh man, I didn't write the date. Oh, how terrible of my. So, but anyways, so on August, I'm sorry, I didn't write the day. I want to say it's the 19th, but I could be wrong. Um, You had. Martha Carrier, who was the only woman that was hung that day, and rest of them were men. It was John Willard, Reverend George Burroughs. And just to kind of give, well, I'll go back. So Reverend George Burroughs, George Jacob Sr., and John Proctor. And just kind of like a fun, interesting fact about um, Reverend George Burroughs is that he was the um, reverend of... um, he, the Reverend of um, Salem, he kind of, Samuel Parrish kind of took over his position. Okay. Samuel, Samuel Parrish was, um, was still semi-new to the area, to this whatever. Um, and so George moved to Wells, Maine. He was the man that was taken from, or brought down from Salem. Yeah. Or, yeah, brought down to Salem. But kind of just a fun little legend and lore is that when he was on his way down to Salem to be held up with for, for the stand trial, um, he took this road called Witch Trot Road, which is in South Berwick, Maine, and they claim that they somehow got turned around and lost on this road, which is now what we call Witch Trot Road. Yeah. So just a fun little. I believe even out on that road, at one point there was like the supposed witch's cabin. It was out on Witch Trot Road. Yeah. Um, but. There's a lot of legends and lores with yeah. it, but I just thought it was kind of, it's just a fun little yeah. legend to share Bring with you all. By. Yeah. Um. So Richie will go on with the next one. Oh. Yep. Uh, so on September 19th, uh, 1692, uh, you had Giles Corey, who was not hung, as most know. Uh, he was pressed to death with stone um, uh, at the Howard Street Cemetery over on Church Street. And then, so on September 22nd, 1692, there was Mary Eastie, Marthy Corey, Samuel Wardwell, Mary Parker, Alice Parker, 
will not read um, read and Margaret Scott and then Ann Ann Perdiator Perdiator I pronounce it. I may have botched that one up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, going back though to Dallas Corey, that was kind of a so again, most people has known, um, you know, being pressed. Uh, you know, he was laid down with a board placed on top of him, and then they piled stones on top of him. And he was kind of, from what I recall, was in quite the lose lose situation there because so it was either confess, which probably would have I'm assuming led to him being hung anyway. Yeah. Um, or hold your tongue and continue to be pressed, which ultimately is what led to him being executed as well so yeah so either he gives yeah, up his name exactly. or he refuses to say you know no so either way and yeah. they claim that when during while he was pressed um he claimed there was claims that like he cursed the town and yeah. everybody or um the sheriffs and everything like that so they claimed that you know the sheriffs of salem for so long like had strange types of diseases blood diseases um, I don't know, but I don't, who knows? We weren't then sure. back there, but it's something that is like a, it's a really big legend down in Salem is that Giles Corey cursed Salem while he was getting pressed to death. Pressed to death. So. While telling them to add more weight. Yes. Yes. Which kind of there, I have to recommend there's a documentary series. Um, I think it was called Hidden Secrets of America. Um, I think that's the name of it, but they kind of dived into the Salem witch trials and exactly where the actual hangings were. And they also kind of dived into a little bit of Giles Corey's story mm -hmm. about like how long that would have taken of a process of a death, like how humiliating because it was like apparently like in kind of a central area where right. it would be heavily trafficked. And it was just, it that the documentary was very intense and very heartbreaking. So in 1711, Massachusetts, the Massachusetts colony passed a legislation, um, passed a legislation, excuse me, by giving all the condemned individuals um, pretty much just cleared their names and it gave money to the families that the were of the yeah. victims. So, you know, they're trying to, you know, make it, uh, terrible situation a little bit better but um and then we have in august 5th 1992 the salem witch trial memorial was dedicated and open to the public to visit now if you're unfamiliar with the, the salem witch trial memorial it's over by charter street cemetery it's literally right next to it and so the kind of like i don't know if it's like a little bit of like the right word for it is like oxymoron about it is that we have this beautiful monument that's dedicated to these men and women that were um, accused and ex um, executed. And then next to it is the cemetery that actually has laid to rest the magistrate, John Hawthorne. Yeah, right, the people in charge of, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the people responsible for putting these people to the news. Yeah, so he was the interior, um, he was the, and, um, the interrogator, and also he was a member of the court. There was Bar Bartholomew Jedney, um, and he was also a member of the court. You have Reverend Nicholas Noyes, um, who was another minister um, during the time of the trials. Um, it is actually said to be believed that he has an unmarked grave right. in the cemetery, 
which I, I really don't know. I actually got this off of the Destination Salem website because okay. they do like a little bit of a history. And I kind of thought that that would be kind of interesting to share. But um, he, when he died in 1717, he apparently died by choking on his own blood. Oh. And then, which is even stranger, is that while Sarah Good was in, standing trial, she told everybody on the court who were serving on the court that God will give you blood to drink. And that is how he died. Oh, okay. So I don't know. It's just a little kind of just a weird little thing. I, I kind of thought it was interesting because there's so many claims that there's curses right. with Salem right. and you know, the, how he had passed away by choking on his own blood. And you, and you got to think too to bring it to today as far as like from a paranormal standpoint. So when you go, there's that those monuments and obviously the, the victims are not buried there. It's just there's their stones with their names and representative, but you know, I just wonder what that could do to stir up activity even kind of today in that area with where you have, you know, that kind of, I don't want to call it a disrespect, but it's, it's almost like, like you said, it's, it's just kind of a weird coincidence that the monument is put there right within, you know, you're standing looking at these names and you pick your head up and you see the graves of the people responsible for the people whose names are on these stones. And it's, it's, yeah, that kind of causing some stir and activity. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. And I think that's like another big thing that like we see or hear like questions about when people visit Salem for the first time mm -hmm. is that they think that they're buried within this area. And if you were accused of witchcraft and you were executed because of that, you weren't buried in a you cemetery. Were, you, were, you were taken out. <laughs> you were like just. You take out the trash. It was nothing no. romantic about it. There was nothing, you know. No, not at all. It. And um one thing with the Salem witch trials is that there were a very few family members that went back later that night after their loved ones had been hung, unfortunately, and they took their bear, they took their family members back and buried that. See, yeah. not everybody was as lucky to have that. Sure. And some of them were just buried where they were. Shallow graves. Yes. Yeah. Um, some people even claimed that they could see like hands and like other body parts, like yeah. still sticking out like months after this was all said and done yeah. and over with, which is just, it's just, it's, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, like this is like, we talk about, like we hear about like war and like how tragic and terrible that is, but this was just because of people being different, yeah. being outcast, being not poor them having something that you want and just being able just to yep it just we could learn something from it folks so i figured maybe now that we could talk some of, a little bit about the haunts maybe talk about yep. some of our experiences while we were down there mm -hmm. um do you want to do the first one sure swimsuit check sunscreen check phone charger check don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So we've got the Samuel Pickman House. Uh, this was owned by, or this is owned by the Peabody Essex Museum. Uh, it is definitely one of the oldest homes in Salem. Um, it was moved to the location where it is today on Charter Street. Um, and it said that there is a maid, uh, our maid was locked, uh, locked in and died in the attic. Um, and it you, talked, what's that? No, you're good. Okay. Uh, and lights and faces uh, in the window as well. Yeah. So they that's over by it's kind of like it, you have the Samuel Pickman house, you have the um Salem Witch um trial memorial and then you have the Charter Street Cemetery. They're all like right there right next to each other. Yeah. And like how Richie said like how I think it was like on the other side of town like closer. I'm trying to remember because I remember we did the ghost tour when we last visited for your birthday, yeah. when we last visited. And I think they were saying that it was over by like the Walgreens um, over by Gallows Hill park. I think right. it was on that side of Salem. Um, and luckily when they did move it, um, it actually saved the house because there was a strange fire that I think that happened on that side of the house. I remember um, them talking about, but it's, it's a beautiful house and Oh man. So kind of going back to talking about Gallows Hill is that um, there's a beautiful park that is called obviously Gallows Hill. And it's believed, it was believed for the longest time to be the location of the hangings. Um, but um, recently there's been, well, within the probably the last few decades, um, records um, showed that a woman named Rebecca Eames, um, claimed that on her way actually to be put into the jail because she was accused as a witch, um, as she was able to see where the gallows were mm -hmm. on Boston Street. And now Boston Street is kind of, um, it's where the other Walgreens is that's more closer into town. It's closer to like the Salem Waterfront Hotel kind of that side if you're familiar with Salem it's over on that side of town which kind of makes more sense because if you're looking at like the geographics of the town this um Ellos Hill and that park in that area are literally like just on the other side of Danvers it's like one of the first areas like when you're getting into town like it's very far it's not really central where they would have had it just really didn't make sense and um, kind of going back to that documentary that I was mentioning earlier about um, Giles Corey and that process, 
um, historians and everybody have come forward and kind of put some pieces together. And between that acclaim by Rebecca Ames um, that she gave in um, August of 1692, they were also able to kind of put some more pieces together and find out that that's where they believe that they were actually hung was over on that Boston Street side. And there's actually today, that's where another monument is for the Salem um, witch trials, which was built probably within the last decade or two. The the other monument, yes. So definitely highly recommend you go check that um, monument out. We actually haven't been able to find it because we always kind of get turned around on that side of Salem. Mm. But I would definitely go recommend to go check it out. And also even so, back to Gallows Hill. So this park, um, there's beautiful trails, some fun playgrounds, which we know, obviously. That's where you break- can see the, the kind of the famous water tower with the witch in the front. Yes, definitely. So a lot of people have claimed that there's been cloaked figures walking around in the woods. Um, Like I mentioned that how there was a playground there, like swings moving when there's been no wind or anybody around strange lights coming from the woods and also hearing getting EVPs, excuse me, and also voices coming from the woods. If I didn't say that, I think I said lights, but so kind of just a little interesting little yeah little fun spot to go check out. And then another place is Turner Seafood and that's right on Church Street um kind of right central into town and that area was allegedly supposed to be Bridget Bishop's a part of her apple orchard that yeah. from old records it shows that it was her property. Um people believe that um or excuse me, people have seen a woman in white on the inside of Turner's seafood. And they've also seen her in the courtyard that's behind just kind of walking around, just kind of doing her own thing. Um, Silverware is another thing that has gone missing. Mm -hmm. While people are actually sitting at the table, silverware will just also go missing. And people also claim that they smell apples. Okay. Yeah. Being Bridget's Apple Orchard. Mm-hmm. And one of our favorite places to probably go and check out is obviously the Hawthorne Hotel. Yes. So the open the Hawthorne opened its doors in July of nineteen twenty-five. And this is a six story hotel, which is just a beautiful architecture. <laughs> like is. inside it's just and they try to preserve it so well to like the 1920s. I feel like oh, even so, like down to like your little ashtrays that are like at the base of the elevators. Like it's yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And actually, funny thing about the elevators is that people claim that there is a woman that haunts the elevator that will just sit and just ride the elevator. Oh. They feel they sense like a woman type presence. Some people have even claimed to have seen her, and she'll just kind of ride the elevator, yeah. just kind of oblivious that you're there with her so kind of definitely some type of residual type and the last time we were there too I, I remember thinking that I was thinking we were going to get because there was under construction mm-hmm. um, you know and of course as we all know anytime that some of these locations are going under the knife so to speak uh, it can definitely stir up some activity so um, you know I, I think it was I don't recall I mean we were we were there to stay uh, you know we, we checked out our room and, and just kind of got the feel for the place we didn't get to go on an actual investigation um, but it was just I mean, just again, it's such a beautiful hotel just to be able to go and stay there, even if you're not investigating it. 
uh, it's well worth it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so also within um, claims that happen within the Hawthorne is that the water will turn on and off in the sinks in the bathroom. Apparently toilets have flushed before Ooh. too. Um, doors um, to closets opening and closing, which kind of have to go back to that is that our first time visiting the Hawthorne, we were just there as for an event yep. and we were able to go to the sixth floor and check out a room that one of our friends was staying in. And they had claimed that they have had the door to the closet been had been opening and closing the yep. entire time that they were there. And actually when we were there in the room with them, I don't remember which room it was, but it was on the sixth floor, but we heard knocking coming from inside of the closet. It was very... And I remember, too, I think you got, like, a feel for a woman that was in the yeah, room. Yeah, definitely. Too. It definitely felt like a very strong female presence just... when we were there. And so and two of the most haunted rooms, or claimed to be two of the most haunted rooms in the hotel is 325 and 612. And I have to say that I have stayed in room 325. It was definitely very quiet. We didn't have anything happen, but it almost just the feeling like you were just kind of, you're being watched. But I definitely know that activity is just definitely not limited to just those rooms. Because I've heard claims all over from the yeah. sixth floor is that it's a very active room. I've also heard people saying, claiming that they've seen like, like almost like a, um, a maid coming and like, you know, kind of doing like her normal routine. So, you know, and don't people also claim that they feel that Bridget is there as well? I've, I've heard that, that people yeah. believe because they think that her, that was also part of her land. I'm really not sure. I'm really not sure about that, but I know that the building that was there before the Hawthorne was built yeah. was actually burnt to the ground, which is kind of just another weird Salem's known for to have some really weird fires. Like yeah. multiple times things have blown up. There have been strange occurrences with fires and they just yeah. kind of just thought I should throw that one out there. Um one thing that kind of strikes me too that's weird about the Hawthorne, and maybe it's part of them keeping it kind of um, historically correct is that a lot of hotels with, uh, there are, you know, newer hotels with, you know, multiple floors like that, their windows are safety windows, um, you know, and kind of a sad thing, but for suicide prevention and whatnot, and, and those windows are not, those windows open wide open up on the sixth floor, up in the upper floors. Really? I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And one thing that I do have to kind of point out, and I take it as you are, like, I know it's just a TV show, but um, when Caps went, I don't remember what season that they went to Salem. I want to say it was either either season, either either excuse me, three or four is one of those two seasons. Um, but they visited Turner Seafood mm -hmm. and they visited the Hawthorne awesome. Hotel, and they didn't. They had a few personal experiences, but nothing. I don't think when it came to like presenting evidence that they really didn't get catch much. But I do remember one thing at Turner's is that they got like when they were like a, a receipt printed very randomly and it said the morning or something and it wasn't programmed for it. Oh. It was something along I those lines, but it was an interesting episode and I was kind of bummed like it's friggin' Salem. Like you should get some awesome stuff right. just from like it just being notorious for what it is, but they really didn't walk away with too much, but we've heard otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
another location that we always love to go and visit, and it's kind of off the beaten path in Salem, which it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of hard to find those locations that are a little bit off the beaten path. Um, it doesn't follow the red line. Yes, it, exactly. Yeah. That's what, yes. So for, for anyone who doesn't know, if you go down to Salem uh, and you're looking to be super touristy for the day, um, there is a uh, a painted red line that kind of runs through all the hot spots of Salem and you can hop on it and walk it and, you know, you can get off the path here and there, but it, it basically takes you around all the, the spots that you should see while you're down there. So, yeah, definitely. And it, it's a fun and it's crazy, like how things are very like close together. Yeah. Like you would just think that they'd be spread apart, but it really all is within walking distance of itself. So, but anyways, back to this other location and it's Howard Street Cemetery. And Howard Street Cemetery is actually close to where um, the Salem jail was of the time where the accused um, were being held. Um, This um, place is allegedly um, where Giles Corey was pressed to death. I'm not sure if it's ever been like said yay or nay, yeah. but it's supposed it's supposedly within that facility vicinity, which would make sense with the um the jail being as close as right. it is. And one thing that we should also mention about Giles um is that his wife, his first wife had passed away years before this had all um unfolded, but his wife at the time, she was hung. Yep. Yeah executed and tried and hung and then he was obviously pressed to death yeah. um which is really sad but um there's a legend saying that if you see the ghost of giles Corey, um salem will burn and uh, like i mentioned earlier how there's been very there's been a lot a of fire strange incidents. fire incidents within salem um, so is it Giles Corey, you know, making his presence known? Really not sure. But this is usually like the first location because we park over in the Church Street parking lot right um right where the old jail was. Been, yeah. Um so and that's this is typically like our first stop to go and also just kind of hang out. There's this beautiful massive tree that's kind of on the far end and that's yeah. the kids kind of hang out and climb the street. It's another one of those places <laughs> where like, and we've talked about this with some other locations where, you know, when you're in the cemetery, you're not like secluded by any means. You're kind of still in the middle of everything, but you oh, yeah. feel on an island. You feel like you're in, you know, you walk through the, you know, the into the, the stone walls, you know, and you, the, through the gate and uh, you just, you, you just feel very separated from everything else that's going on. It's, it's kind of got that vibe to it where you're in your own place. There's really nothing around you. And then you kind of walk back out and back into town but it's uh it's just it's cool it's it's it, it's in the middle of everything but you just you feel like you're far away yeah and it's crazy because this there's a busy street like right, right on the right. other side where i was saying where like on the far end just where this big massive tree that the kids climb in and there's a massive tr- um there's a huge road right there yeah um, but no, I definitely agree. And the houses on that side are just so they're they're very quaint and they're always well they awesomely decorated oh, for Halloween yeah. too. Just throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, and we were actually just talking before we started recording this podcast about 
I think it was like either our first or second time going down to Salem together as a family is that we were walking through um, the cemetery, you know, just kind of taking pictures of the kids, checking out the headstones. Um, and we noticed that a person was there, but we don't remember. I don't remember how they got <laughs> there. Don't remember because then they weren't there. Don't remember them leaving. Don't remember any of it. And and we just I remember questioning that day, and, and since then it was like, was that a, a person sitting there, or did we come across something? Because it just didn't. There was nothing about it that seemed uh, normal. I guess it was just it was just weird. It caught our attention, you know, and then and then it just the person was gone. So it was it was it was very. You know, could they have gotten up and left without us knowing? Sure, but wide open. You know, it's not like it's a cemetery like with those hills and there's yeah, you know, no. bunches of trees. I mean, you can see from every angle on the cemetery, you can see the entire thing. So uh, it was definitely interesting. Uh, it made us question what we actually saw. Yeah, definitely. And, it, and I feel like that cemetery in general is just one where, you know, again, go back to the old corner of the eye. But uh, I feel like you're constantly looking in the direction of something you thought you saw. Um, it just, it just has that feel to it. It's, it's it feels very active mm-hmm. when you're in there. Yeah, and it's not one of it's obvious. It's not the oldest cemetery in Salem, um, and it's not even close to being one of the oldest. Um, but one thing that I was reading, um, actually, like quickly before I forget, because I feel like I always forget to kind of do these type of shout outs. Is that um, I have to hide if you want to learn more about Salem or you're looking for a good read about the Salem witch trials or just the history of the ghosts, whatever. Um, I highly recommend Sam Baltrusis's um, Ghosts of Salem's Haunts Inside, um, or excuse me, Haunts of the Witch City. And then also um, his other book, Exploring Lingering Lore and Legends of Wicked Salem. So I highly recommend those two books. Um, I, so in I was reading a little bit today to get prepared more for this um, episode is that um, Sam mentions in his book, um, Ghosts of Salem, um, that in Howard Street Cemetery, apparently there's a few people that died by their death was caused by um, being crushed. Unrelated to the hysteria in the trial. Yes. Oh, yes. Way yeah. past. So like it was it's, almost like a punishment they were using. Yeah. You know, and then obviously Giles was tied into. Yeah. Into, but there, I think there was like at least there was a handful of people. I, I can't I don't think he actually even gave a number how many people, but there was a few people that had died being crushed to death, which is kind of like, like a little weird. Of like taking somebody's social media away today. That's like pretty much right there is equally as Trump. I don't know if that's really like <laughs> sensitive. That's <laughs> like, kind of like, <laughs> oh man, we're losing, we're losing listeners now because of that comment. <laughs> so, but anyways, here we are. Okay. So the oldest cemetery in Salem is the old burying point, which is our next location that we're going to be talking about. It's one of the oldest ones in the country. It's actually the second, second oldest, oldest cemetery. Country. The first oldest cemetery, just because I know you guys want to know this, is in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Quack. Yeah. Quack. Um, so some people that are buried, um, I know that I we had mentioned this earlier, but just to kind of go over it. So some people that are buried in the cemetery are is Giles Corey's first wife. Um, again, Jonathan Hawthorne. 
Bartholomew Jer- Jared, Jared, mm-hmm. and then the Reverend Nicholas Noyes, which again is kind of like an unmarked location, apparently. And there's actually two people that traveled on the Mayflower that are also buried there as well. I think the earliest date um, or earliest year that we see in that cemetery is 1632, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. Like we think that it's just that I don't know. I I think that is just so amazing. Um, people claim to see um spirits of children. They also claim to see a spirit us uh, two spirits of a they're assuming a mother and child. Um, hearing voices, the over feeling the over like overpowered by the sense of sadness, um electronics acting up, cell phones, cameras. And then people seeing um, orbs in strange lights with their, like, with the naked eye, not within pictures and everything like that. So one experience that I really want to talk about um, that happened to both Richie and I, or happened to me when we were down in Salem, and I'm kind of very skeptical. I call myself kind of like the skeptical sensitive um, because I don't necessarily believe sometimes what I'm feeling and sensing because I have a lot of self-doubt. My, it's a big me problem, and I'm sorry for the ramble about it. But anyways, um, we were down in Salem visiting. Um, we had gone to an event, and we were walking around the town, and we were heading over to the cemetery, and I almost felt like my hand got grabbed, and I needed to walk. And I told Richie we were outside of getting ready to walk into the cemetery, and I just I told Richie, I, I got to go. And so I walked to where I felt like I needed to go and I stopped and I stopped in front of a little girl's headstone. Uh, Her name was, I want to say it was Alice and I feel like such a dirt bag because I don't remember exactly what her name was, but I think it was Alice. And at the time, um, I'm assuming that she probably was, um, she died from smallpox Mm -hmm some type of disease that had just taken over because there was multiple diseases that um, Salem had dealt with. And I just felt just overwhelmed with a lot of emotions and I was just so heartbroken by it. And I just, it was a very strange sense because I literally just, I don't run, but I was running. <laughs> like I was going as fast. <laughs> it, it was, it was my running. And I just needed to be there. And again, like, I don't, I'm very skeptical about it. Um, But it just, I don't know. It was just a very big, powerful movement. And just to kind of go to where it was, it just didn't really make sense. But just thought I should share that little, that little tidbit. But um and just one other little kind of fun fact about Salem before we probably stop all of this is that um, Nathaniel Hawthorne, who's very known for um, obviously down in Salem, um, seven the the House of the Seven Gables um, author, um, he was obviously related to Jonathan Hawthorne, who was the, one of the judges, yeah. a part of the um, the the court, is that he added a W to his name. 
to kind of distance himself from his family. Yeah. So he didn't really want to be a part of that. Yeah, and can you blame him? Right. Uh, so yeah, I think that might be all. Oh yeah, and we were gonna shout out our favorite pizza place if you yes. are in Salem and you're looking for an amazing place to eat, the Flying Saucer. Yeah. They have amazing pizza. They yeah. have they have like for all dietary needs, like they have gluten free, oh, sure, ve- sure, vegan, sure. vegetarian cool options, unique options, a ton of different, a fun options. setup inside, yeah, um, and great, kind of like a Hollywood sci-fi, sci-fi, and that's not really like our cup of tea. Like we're not no, sci-fi folks, but it but was it's cool. The people are awesome. They're super, yeah. Nice the employees there. are great. Yeah. It's right out. It's right behind the um, statue for Bewitched, uh, Bewitched. yeah, there's which a Bewitched was filmed, statue yeah, in Salem. Yeah. Some other obviously notables filmed in Salem too. While we're talking about it, obviously the um, Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus, uh, most of that filmed down there, and you can actually see some of the locations that are still in the movie. And I think you can take a tour of yeah, they have a tour to, to kind of bring you around and show you all the locations. So yeah, just another, some things to yeah. do if you're down there for sure. Yeah, and another great spot that we went to our one of our last times down there was the Rockefellers um, restaurant right there. It's actually kind of right across oh, yeah. the street yep. from the Flying Saucer and the Bewitched statue. Yeah, they're amazing, and they're actually even haunted too. It used to be an old bank, mm-hmm. and you get can actually eat inside the vault. Which is really cool. Yeah. We didn't do that because our kids are Debbie Downers and they want to sit at the <laughs> piano table. But it's it's an awesome location that there's like underground tunnels too that kind of goes back to like pirate times. Yeah. Because, you know, we always just hear Salem and think of just the witch trials. But there's so much more history and sketchy stuff that went down oh, there absolutely. because they were a port tile. Exactly. And you hear about ports of like brothels. Yep. You know, just a lot of stuff going on. Smuggling. Yep. So, but yeah, so we hope you guys enjoyed our Salem episode. We thought it'd be kind of fun because we love going to Salem in October. And yeah, this is a kind of our Halloween special, I guess. Now that I'm kind of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank you guys as always. And again, if you get a chance to get down there, if you haven't been already, well, if you have been, we recommend going again, as you probably already know that. Uh, but go check it out. Get down to Salem. Check it out. Pay some respect. Um, you know, if you're going to go this time of the year, just be prepared. It's chaos. Uh, but it's fun chaos. It's a good time. So make a day of it. Plan it out and uh, have some fun. Yes. And uh, please come back and join us next time here at uh, Pair of Peeps New England. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.